It's understandable if this morning's gospel reading puts you a little on edge. The reported interactions between the Canaanite woman and Jesus are tense enough to make anyone a bit fidgety. Personally, I couldn't help but imagine how well the content of this encounter between the Canaanite woman and Jesus must have equipped the tabloid journalists and gossip specialists in the ancient world with an array of riveting headlines. Canaanite woman seen shouting at Jesus, you could imagine, or after calling her the equivalent of a four-letter word, Jesus praises a Canaanite woman for her faith. Or how about from a distance, Jesus miraculously heals a Canaanite woman's demon-possessed daughter. For the reasons these headlines highlight and more, the story of Jesus and the Canaanite woman has and would have had legitimate shock value. It's just an audacious story, really. The Oxford Dictionary gives the word audacious two meanings. One, showing a willingness to take surprisingly bold risks, and two, a significant lack of respect. Check. This story is audacious on both accounts of the definition. Jesus and the Canaanite woman, edgy and audacious, each in their own way. Matthew cues readers into the social and historical tensions animating their encounter fairly swiftly. From the beginning, we hear that Jesus left his hometown in Nazareth for the region of Tyre and Sidon. This was Gentile territory, occupied predominantly by those who were not Jewish. There, Jesus was an outsider. Upon seeing him on her home turf, however, Matthew reports that a Canaanite woman from the region began shouting at him, "'Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. A demon severely oppresses my daughter,' she cries." Likely aware of all the historical tensions, land grabs and genocide between her people and Jesus's, the Canaanite woman still comes in hot, audacious. She deliberately uses a respectful title for the Jewish Messiah, but the matter at hand is urgent. So she shouts, and Jesus' response to her is silence. He does not respond. She, however, continues to shout. Understandable, that's what people do when they are desperate, when they are scared, when they need attention, when they don't know what else to do. The disciples did not take well to her shouting, however. Also understandable. In my experience, most people don't like to be shouted at. So they asked Jesus to send the Canaanite woman away. But at some point in the stillness, in the stillness of his silence, Jesus consents to the encounter. He speaks to the woman and he articulates a boundary. I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel, he says. This makes sense. As a, member of a, as a member of a minoritized community, threatened by assimilation on the one hand and irrelevance on the other, Jesus had a clarity about preferencing God's chosen people, the Jews. Thus, this Canaanite woman and her daughter, both Gentiles, 
were beyond the scope of Jesus' mission. But this woman, this mother, pays Jesus' boundary no heed. She takes a risk, another audacious one. The disciples tried to send her away, but she came nearer still, kneeling before Jesus. She asks him to help her again. In response to her humble request, Jesus answered, it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Surprisingly, and with a significant lack of respect, Jesus insults the woman. But quickly she quips back, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Interestingly, this woman, this mother, does not fight Jesus' characterization of her. She knows her people's complicity in the complicated and sordid history her people and his people share, and so she does not get defensive. Instead, the Canaanite woman contests Jesus' own understanding of himself. She calls him to more. She calls his mercy wider. She calls his power greater. She calls him to be more fully who he is as a self in relationship to a God of abundant love and abundant mercy. She calls him to remember that the bread he has to give was first of all a gift given to the Jews, but sourced from the one who created and cares for all living things. The audacity of her persistence and her insistence that she was not outside God's provision is credited her as faith. Woman, Jesus told her, great is your faith. And her daughter was healed instantly. Indeed, the audacious behavior of Jesus and the Canaanite woman is meant to surprise listeners, meant to take listeners to the edge of what is expected, meant to cause us to have to face something just beyond ourselves. In the substance of encounter, bodies are susceptible to and capable of being affected by the imaging of God in and through the neighbor. Could it be that the fullness of God who found it pleasing to dwell in the particular person of Jesus encountered the God that was also imaged in and by and through the particularity of this woman? By the end of Matthew's gospel, the disciples who were sent to the lost sheep of Israel are explicitly sent to all people. The encounter between Jesus and the woman from Tyre and Sidon transformed both their worlds. In the story, we don't just encounter an audacious Jesus or an audacious mother seeking healing for her daughter. We encounter the very substance of an audacious God, a God of encounter, a God who is always working to meet us in love, a God who is always working to meet us in mercy a God who is always offering us the hope of new life together in the guise of our neighbor and in the face of our enemies. In his 1958 sermon, note that year, 1958, in his 1958 sermon entitled The Third Component, Howard Washington Thurman said that the experience 
of the relationship between two subjects is crucial to existence. Without the vital element of the third component, Thurman states, we cannot find a way of life that is worth living. Entertaining the possibility of this third component, of a third agent in every relationship, makes of every relationship a God relationship. What does it mean then for us to put our faith into the faithfulness of this God? How do we nurture our own capacity for encounter? What assumptions do we have about what it means to follow God that we need to give up in order to create more space for belonging and transformation in our community? How do we become more audacious in sharing the audacious love of God that is here, freely given at this table to each and every one of us.